from this young artist and as we like to do at radio bypass we like to bring you some old music but we also love to turn you on to new bands new musicians new music and uh, have you learn all about them and so today we're lucky that we have austin moe joining us on the phone and he's going to tell us all about his career and his song and anything else we can learn about austin moe austin how are you I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for joining me as well. Love the River. Great song. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So I was very intrigued when I became aware of you that, um, you know, you're a young young guy, young guitar player and singer and songwriter. Um, and I think it's pretty amazing. You started um, falling in love with the guitar at the age of 12, right? 
and you played yes, Guitar sir. Hero, and that's that uh, was that what prompted you to get into playing the guitar? Oh yeah, I got um, you know, way too good at that way too quick, and I really wasn't thinking much of it. It got to the point where I could walk around my house, do some chores, and you know have conversations while playing the game, and I wasn't really missing any of the notes on the screen, and so. In a in a weird way, I was learning the music, but only on five buttons. Right. And so my dad noticed this, and this was happening more and more as I was playing. The, each one came out, I would learn it, and then you know the cycle would repeat. And so my dad pulled me inside one day, and he's like, "Hey, would you want to learn the guitar? Because you know you're really you're really good at this game, and I can only imagine it would be easier than this game." And I was like, "Well, you know." I, I don't, I don't really have money for a guitar right now. I don't know who we could talk to to borrow one. And so that was kind of our conversation at home. Right. And little did I know, my dad called his buddy and he told him the situation, you know, he's walking around but playing this game and he's technically learning the songs. But, you know, it's on plastic instead of the real thing. And he goes, oh, okay. Well, why don't you come over to my house? I'll I'll lend you my guitar that I learned on. And my dad drove over to his buddy's house, and it was actually that Flying V that's featured in the River music video. And I was only supposed to have it for a couple of months just to learn the basic scales and, you know, maybe a song or two if if all things were going well. And then I was supposed to give the guitar back to the guy, and that was 10 years ago. (laughs) And so thankfully, he's interested in me to protect his guitar and it just sounds so incredible it's a 19 well it's kind of a mutt it's got a 1969 headstock but it's got 1975 gibson hardware on it but wow. i don't care it just sounds incredible wow <laughs> that's really cool so it's on permanent loan to you i guess huh well i would hope so yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool now um when you were doing Guitar Hero, I know they have a, a, a variety of music. I, I think I have an Aerosmith edition, actually. Um, but I noticed your song, The River, definitely got that bluesy, swampy, blues rock kind of thing. And I know um, I was told some of your influences include, like, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Joe Bonamassa. Um, what made you get interested in that style of music? Well, when I was introduced to the blues, my dad had always played like Steve Ray Vaughan and stuff on our home system that we had. It was mainly to wake me up because I didn't really like getting up early for school. <laughs> and our our system at home was 300 watts and he bought it in the 80s and it was designed for a nightclub back then. It was Harman Kardon and just, oh, it's it still sounded so incredible even 30 years later. Right. And so... He'd wake me up with Steve Ray Vaughan's greatest hits, and it wasn't until I really started to play the guitar, I would go to Guitar Center and plug in a backing track. And this is when I was still learning guitar, and I I was okay, but I would just sit there and try and and learn these songs, but it was really loud. And thankfully, the employees didn't kick me out, because (laughs) let me me tell you, man, it sounded like I was learning guitar. (laughs) That's funny. one day this kid came in and I was doing my thing and having my own little jam session and he plugs in and he was my age and uh, he just starts ripping over with the song that I'm doing. And I was like, holy crap, this kid is phenomenal. 
And so we started talking, we started hanging out and he actually brought me to my first blues jam that I had ever been to. And as soon as I got up and stumbled across, you know, three or four songs and that was it, man, I, I was, I was bit by the blues bug. And so then I got home, I went more into Steve Ray Vaughan and Joe Bonamassa and Freddie and BB and Albert King and Kenny Wade Shepard and all of that. Right. And so that's kind of where I got my blues flavor from. That's really cool. And how old were you at that point? Oh, I think I was, I want to say 13 to 15 area. Wow. That's amazing to me. Most kids that age, you know, they're into all the pop stuff. So that's pretty amazing that you checked all that stuff out and learned more about it. You know, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I just made my friends deal with it because that's all that I would play. Even when we're just hanging out, that's what I would turn on the radio. And they're like, come on, man. Let's, this band just dropped this album. I was like, I don't care. We're listening to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. And then, yeah. And then at the tender age of 16, you got chosen to play in, I believe it was in Europe, for a Blues Kids of America thing. Tell us about that. Yeah, so that was an incredible, it was just amazing. The, the whole experience, I, I got to stay with some of Ike Turner's extended family. But the way that we found that was, so when I was 16, I was able to hold my own at the Blues Jams and stuff. And it was kind of, it, it wasn't getting boring, but my parents were like, well, Austin's getting like really good to the point where like, the supporting guitar players in the house band just don't even jam with Austin because he's getting that good on his own. And so my mom was actually looking for either, I think it was probably a mixture of like competitions and endorsement kind of things on Google one night. And she stumbled across this website called blues kids of America. And it's put on by this amazing human being. It just, just a saint. His name is, Fernando Jones, and he's based out of Chicago. And so what he does is he wants to encourage kids under the age of 18 to love the blues. And so he'll, in the United States, put on little blues camps, five and six day things all over. And so when we found it, Chicago had just been booked and there was one in LA that the um, auditions ended that night that we were looking. And so we were like, oh man, how, this sounds like a great thing. How are we going to be a part of this? Well, the next one that they had auditions open for was London, England. And my mom was like, you got to go sign up for that. We got we to gotta make this happen. And I looked at my mom and I was like, dude, that's in London, England. Like, <laughs> let alone LA, LA, I could stomach, but London, England, I've never even been on a plane. And she's like, Oh, come on, you can do it. And so we went back and forth and she eventually talked me into, um, recording and auditioning for that, um, the London slot. Yeah. London slot. And so I cranked up my dad's home theater system. I got my little tiny task cam recorder out. And I grabbed my half stack, which is a 1975 original Music Man, kind of like what Johnny Winter used back in the late 70s. It's got that really nice flange on it, all natural tube, and it's just 
sounds like butter. <laughs> and so I cranked that up, put my recorder in between the two. I did one little jam over BB King's The Thrill is Gone. I sent it to the people who were um, looking through the audition tapes at London. And then I sent it to my mom. And my mom called me up because she was at work at the time. And she was like, you know, that's an okay take, but um, we know you can play better. You know you can play better. So uh, why don't you redo it and then send it to the people? I was like, Mom, I sent it to them before I sent it to you. So if they want me, they want me. But if they don't, you know, no big deal. I'm sure something else will come around. And before the night was over, I think it was before my mom got home from work. I got an email stating, hey, you've been accepted into the Blues Kids of America, you know, London, England camp. If you can get there, you can reserve a spot. We'll we'll totally reserve a spot for you. Wow. And so then, then it was a matter of, oh, my God, now I got to get there. And so at the time, I was being mentored by Ike Turner's first daughter, Twana Turner. And this is before the Ike and Tina marriage. It was his first marriage. Uh -huh. And so we told her what was going on. And she was so gracious enough to put on a benefit for me to raise money to help me go to London. And these musicians that I had never met before came out from like Stockton, and, and which is like a two-hour drive from where I live. And all these great places and these, it was like a full day of music. And I think we raised a couple grand and, uh, for flights and stuff. And then we, we had a radio or not a radio slot. We had a news slot of the day that I was supposed to be flying out and it was on Fox 40. We were there at 6am and we still didn't have any plane tickets yet, but we were just going in with the mindset of, okay, this is obviously everything else has happened up to this point something's got to happen to where we're going to get to London. And so our family friends saw our slot on the news. They would just happen to wake up, turn it on and, and they know us. And so they called my brother and they said, Hey, that's fantastic. Austin's going to London. I've, I've been there myself. What airline is, are they flying out of? And my brother's like, well, they don't have one yet. And so <laughs> they said, well, as a matter of fact, I have enough travel points saved up to where it's round trip for two people anywhere in the world, basically for free. Do you think that would help Austin and your mom to go to London? And my brother was like, absolutely, it would help. And so sure. then they booked us a flight at, I think it was like 1 p.m. that day to go down to L.A. and then fly to London. And so as soon as we were done on Fox 40, saying, hey, we're going to London, you know, meanwhile, we don't have any plane tickets. We get a call from my brother, hey, you got to come home and pack up. You got to go down to our airport and fly down to LA. We're like, why? He's like, well, they just got your airplane tickets for you. And, you know, it's basically uh, comped because of their miles. And I was like, oh, my Lord, that's amazing. And so we flew to London. We, the first day of the camp, the instructor didn't like introduce himself on purpose just to see what the kids would do. And I walked into everybody jamming. So I just plugged in and jammed and it was just a fantastic experience. It's, it was life-changing to an, say the least. That's an amazing story. That's awesome. That was, that was like what in 2014. Is that right? When that took, when that was happening? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. 2014 area. 
Gotcha. And then and then you've went on and you've done some other um, things too. Tell us about you were inducted into the Brotherhood of the Guitar. What's what's that all about? So the Brotherhood of the Guitar is put on by Steve Vai, Robert M. Knight, and a couple other major, major people in the music industry. And for those of you who don't know who Robert M. Knight is, he is basically the definitive like bookkeeper of rock and roll photography. He convinced um, venue owners in Hawaii to book Jimi Hendrix. And he has the very first photos of Hendrix in the States, pretty much. Oh, that's as cool. well as Led Zeppelin and literally anybody you can think of, regardless of the genre, he's taken pictures of. And so that actually precursors a little bit before the London um, contact. And my mom actually messaged Robert Knight. He, she found his email one way or another. She's really good at finding that stuff. <laughs> and she goes, Hey, this is my son. We're trying to get to London, England. Da, 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 da. Do you guys do sponsorships for like travel? And he goes, no, but how old is your kid? And she goes, oh, he's going to be 16. And, and they exchange information and stuff. And he goes, well, I have this thing called the Brotherhood of the Guitar. And he explained it. It's basically like a rock and roll hall of fame kind of club, if you, if you will, uh-huh. but for kids under the age of 18. And so he goes, well, I'll keep an eye on your son. And if I like what he's done, you know, after our conversation today, then I'll hit you guys up and I'll endorse him. And we have Fender and Guitar Center and all this. And my mom was like, oh, that's amazing. I, I wouldn't even have thought of that. And he goes, okay, well, you know, have a great night and all that. Right. And so six months go by and I'm in, uh, what was it? I was in video editing class at my high school and the teacher thought he had blocked YouTube because we were supposed to be studying for our midterms and I can't study without music. And I forgot <laughs> my iPod. So I found a workaround and I'm listening to ACDC and, um, I showed a couple other guys and so they were goofing off, but I was actually studying and the teacher goes, Hey Austin, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, I'm listening to YouTube. You know, I'm, I'm studying for the final. And he goes, you know, you're not supposed to be on the internet while you're studying. I was like, yeah, but I'm just, I have a playlist. You can see my computer. So we had an argument. He kicked me out of class. Oh, geez. And as soon as he kicked me out of class, Robert Knight shot me a message and says, Hey, congratulations. You're inducted into the brotherhood of the guitar. <laughs> and so it went from, um, kicked out of class to, Oh my God, Robert Knight just shot me a text message. And so then I called my mom and they just picked me up from school. I just cut the rest of the day. (laughs) And, um, I played hooky the next day because he was hanging out with Neil Sean in San Francisco at his house. And I went up to the hotel that Robert was staying at and I met him and I was just so in awe that this dude has been watching me for so long. Right. And I kind of got a little bit of stage fright, but he could tell that I was, um, very genuine in my excitement. And so he's, he's another really great person. If you ever just meet him, you know? Yeah. sounds like a good guy. Well, that is, that's so cool. You've really had some great, um, success already. Um, just with those kind of things. And, 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 uh, your mom's smart enough to find out about these things. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah. No, I've, I've been 
really blessed with the people who I've met and especially the support from my family. Yeah, that's great. Not every musician gets that budding musician, I should say. Not everybody gets that kind of support from their family. So that's really nice that uh, you have that going for you. And then, and currently now this track, the river, um, Frank Cannon, you worked with him, Frank Cannon from Tesla on the track. And I think you're working on more music with him. So how did you end up with Frank Cannon? Well, that's another story. Uh, I'll, I'll try and, and, um, make it not as long, but fast or not fast forward, rewind to my 21st birthday and my family friend surprised me with tickets to see Tesla that next weekend. And he's been following Tesla since they were booking clubs locally up in Sacramento under city kid. Uh And so I thought, how cool would it be if I could ask Frank, um, could we come backstage and say, hello, I'll surprise my friend and tell him, Hey, we're going to go meet Frank Hannon and then, you know, go from there. Right. And so I shot Frank a text on Facebook and I was very polite. I was like, hello, my name is Austin Moe. I'm a guitar player. Um, I'm, I'm turning 21 and my buddy's been a huge fan of you guys forever. Can we just come and say hello? And then we'll let you go back to preparing for your show. And I didn't hear anything because I texted him pretty late in the evening and so I was like, well, if, if he doesn't get back to me, it's okay. Like I'm going to see Tesla and that's still going to be amazing. Yes. And I woke up to a text message from Frank on Facebook and he goes, Hey Austin, thank you so much for reaching out. Yeah, I know who you are. And, and I'm, you know, really glad that you're a guitar player and all this stuff. How many backstage passes do you need? And I was like, Oh my God, I just wanted to come say hello, but, um, two backstage passes would be great. And he goes, awesome. Just send me your information and your name and I'll put you down on the guest list. And so when we got to the concert, we went backstage straight away. And I think it was right after the meet and greet session had been held because their banner was still up and there was a little bit of food on a table, like half eaten. And so we were like, Oh, well, they're probably getting ready for their show. You know, they're getting their makeup on or whatever they do backstage so my friend and I went back into our seats and we were watching this opener and I get a text message and I'm what's going through my head is, well, my family knows where I'm at. Everybody on social media knows where I'm at. So who else <laughs> could be texting me? Like everybody knows where I am. And so I pull out my phone and Frank texts me. He's like, Hey man, are you at the show? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we are. And he's like, do you want to come hang out with me? And I was like, of course. <laughs> and so then he sent out a guy, we went into his trailer and he was very encouraging about the music that I've been playing and stuff. And he was very, um, vocal about, you know, it's great to play covers and learn music and stuff like that. But if you want to play arenas, like you're stating, you're going to have to have a really good original music. And I was like, yeah, that's true. And he goes, do you have any? And at the time I had a couple, Mm -hmm. But um, they were all right, and they're kind of hidden away in the vault. And who knows, maybe I'll rewrite them and, and uh, put them out. But we stayed in contact. I did a show with him uh, last December, actually, uh, a couple of days ago last year. Uh-huh. And we kept in touch. And then this year, I went up to his house, and we were really starting to focus on riding the river. 
And I came up with my voice memos on my phone full of guitar licks and a notebook full of lyrics. And we had gone over everything and we were like, oh, okay, well, we could try that one. But it, there's something that needs to be there to make it really push. Mm-hmm. And so we were just hanging out, just talking, and I just let my hands do what, what they would do. And they were noodling. And Frank goes, hey, what's that? And I was like, what's what? He goes, that, that, that right there, play again. And it was actually the riff that is in the intro of the river. And he goes, oh, I like that. What else do we have? What could, what could go with it? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, how about this? And we shot ideas back and forth, back and forth, pretty much all day. And within, I'd say, a couple of hours, we had the, the base structure of the river pretty much fleshed out. And then that following couple of weeks we just kept adding on to it and went into the studio and recorded it that's cool and and you're and you're planning on doing a, a whole record and, and a whole album oh yeah we're actually so where we're at right now is we're trying to figure out if we want to go with a full-length album or do like a five to six song ep mm-hmm. we're currently looking through the material that i have right now and then going to make that decision one way or another. I wouldn't rule it out for a whole album, though. Got it. And and you actually have um, you're a trio, right? So there's there's other uh, guys you're working with in your band. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm I'm very thankful to be playing with one of my best friends in the world. We've known each other forever in school, and it was only after high school that we really started to bond musically. Um, in the video, that is Spencer Olson on bass and the drummer in the video, his name is Steven Martin. And he's been able to open up for people like Marilyn Manson and like Zach Wilde and other projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he really is a fantastic drummer and it's kind of like a killer combination of three of us when we get together and jam. That's awesome. And you, and you call the band, the Austin Mo experience. Is that correct? Well, actually, at this moment, um, that's that's what we've been going as throughout the years. But we're in a transitioning phase where it'll be just Austin Mo because I was talking with management and a handful of other people, and we were discussing like you know Gary Clark Jr., Joe Bonamassa, Joe Walsh, you know, like Glenn Fry, all these major people, Jimi Hendrix all these major, major artists just have their name. Mm-hmm. And so that really establishes them as an artist. And so we're feeling that just going by Austin Moe for right now to establish myself as an artist would really help get it into, you know, the general audience. And who knows, maybe later down the line, I'll bring back the experience part. But for now, um, we're going to be just awesome. Mo. Got it. Got it. Well, that's cool. Well, that, that's, that's really, really, really cool. Now, um, do you have any timelines? Like when can we expect another song coming from Austin Mo? Not specifically, but definitely next year. Gotcha. Definitely 2021. We're, we're still working out, uh, schedules and stuff. Got it. 
Yeah, and hopefully, maybe, maybe in 2021, there could actually be live music, too. Maybe you can get out and play some of these songs live. Oh, yeah. You know, these these bands are going to need some support acts, and, you know, everybody's sitting at home writing music. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that is that is pretty cool. So is there anything, Austin, that we should know about you that I haven't asked or that we haven't covered? Um, let me think. You can find us on ah, social yes. media at Austin Mo underscore official on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube um, under Austin Mo. And then our website is AustinMo.com. Got it. Okay. And, and, and you said um, for the social media pages and, and YouTube, you said it was Austin Mo underscore official. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, that's cool. And you'll keep everybody updated on, on those platforms, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm still getting used to this whole digital thing. I'm more of an old school guy. But, um, me, you know, I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> but, see, for you at your age, I would think it would just come natural. See, me, I'm not so good at keeping up with the social media. But, you know, I'm quite a bit older than you. So I figure with you guys, you just grow up with it. And it's just uh, second nature keeping it up, keeping up with it. Yeah. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, Austin, I am so glad that uh, we were able to talk today and learn more about you. And, and, um, and I guess one thing, you know, there is one thing we didn't cover really. I didn't really ask you a whole lot about the song, um, the river. We talked a little bit about how you came up with it, but what inspired that song lyrically? Well, lyrically, when I did that little songwriting session with Frank, we looked at my notebook, which had a bunch of bits and pieces from, you know, people had lost some family in on Facebook, unfortunately. But what I've noticed is in times of mourning, um, people are very poetic and they, as, at least on my friends list, really love to either share poems that they feel is uh, pertaining to their loved one that had passed away. And so I was kind of just grabbing bits and little things here and there that I thought were cool, at least to me. And we were looking through these lyrics and Frank was all, oh, well, let me read them. And so he read them and read them. And, and actually the chorus of the river was structured to be as the first verse. So we, and you know, the first verse is the chorus. Mm -hmm. So when he read it, he flip-flopped, Frank flip-flopped the lyrics and said, okay, let's try this. And then he picked up an acoustic and I was like, well, what chords do you think should be the lyrics? And he was like, we're going down to the river, going down to face the truth. And I was like, Frank, that is, that is phenomenal, dude. He was like, yeah, man, I think we really have something here. And so the more we were writing in this song, we were shooting back and forth ideas and the more and more we were reading over it, we were trying to figure out what the message that we wanted to send was. And the further along it got, the more and more it pointed to a more religious kind of a vibe. And so looking back on it, the message that I wanted to send was, especially during COVID-19 and the, the struggles that have kind of plagued 2020, unfortunately. Right. Um, I just wanted to send to people that there is hope in 
going out and reaching to God. And I didn't want the lyrics to be very like literal. Mm -hmm. It's kind of vague, you know, so everybody can listen to it. But especially with the video, I wanted that baptism scene to be very like, this is kind of the, the vibe that I'm going for. And so I was raised Christian with my family. And during times that I've been down in my dumps and really just on kind of a, we'll call it a negative Nancy streak. <laughs> um, I've been my there. parents have always, my parents have always advised me to pray and, and just for calm, calming the storms and for wisdom. And that really helps me get out of the way of myself. If that makes sense, it, yeah, it, it always works out. And so I wanted to let people know that even if you're not, you know, religious, this is one of the ways that, you know, could help you get out of your rut. And especially during now, you know, I think people could, could really use something to look up to. I agree with the year that it's been, we definitely need some positivity. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I just realized, man, we didn't talk really that much about the origin of the song, so I'm glad we covered that. So thank you, Austin. I look forward to hearing a lot more from you. Um, we'll definitely be happy to feature uh, all your songs here on Radio Bypass, and I think you got one heck of a great career ahead of you. Thank you so much, man. It was an honor to be on the show. Uh, thank you. All right, everybody, check out Austin Moe. I will have uh, post all his links on uh, our stuff so you can uh, find more of Austin Moe. Definitely someone you should know and follow, and I'm sure we're going to hear years and years and years of fantastic music from Austin Moe. Thanks a lot, Austin. Thank you.